0: Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Africa Past and Present, the podcast about African history, culture, and politics. I'm your co host, Peter Allegi, and Peter Lim will be joining us shortly. We're Skyping today with Drs. Wendy Manuel Scott and Benedict Carton, both professors at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and also the organizers of an exciting recent conference held at George Mason entitled African Identities. In the age of Obama. Dr. Wendy Manuel Scott is Assistant Professor and Director of African American Studies. She received her PhD in History from Howard University in 2003. She is currently preparing her book manuscript, Working for the Yankee Dollar, Caribbean Farm Workers in the United States, 1943 to 1957, uh, for publication. Professor Emmanuel Scott teaches classes on Caribbean history, Caribbean migration, African-American history, and the African diaspora. Benedict Carton, Associate Professor of History, received his Ph.D. in history from Yale University in 1996. He's the author of Blood from Your Children, The Colonial Origins of Generational Conflict in South Africa, published by the University of KwaZulu-Natal Press in 2000. He's also co editor of Zulu Identities, Being Zulu Past and Present, uh, which has just been published by Columbia University Press and the University of KwaZulu-Natal Press, a 50-chapter volume. Welcome, Wendy Manuel Scott.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon.
0: And welcome, Benedict Carton.
2: Thank you very much, Peter Allegi and Peter Lin, for making this happen.
0: Well, why don't we start with the uh, inspiration for the African Identities in the Age of Obama conference, uh, which came from uh, Ari Mazrui, I believe?
1: Yes, in part, it certainly did. Um, I am the new director, in a sense, of the African-African American Studies program at George Mason. And when I became director, I thought it necessary to really expand the program and the focus. And as an African diaspora historian, I came to African-African American Studies with an interest in Africa, the Caribbean, and really a global black examination of culture, identity experiences resistance and so um, with the name change the george mason university faculty really began to ask some questions about what did that mean and where we wanted to go in some ways i think our students at george mason helped to inspire the conference several students came to me they are african immigrants second generation and wanted to discuss some of the questions and issues that surround being an African immigrant student in the United States. And about the same time, colleagues began to discuss a recent uh, presentation talk by Ali Mazrui in Africa. And so really the two of those things came together and we decided to invite Dr. Mazrui to the university to talk about African identity in the 21st century. Yeah, and
2: it was Ali Mazrui who took the opportunity to use uh, Barack Obama as the metaphor for understanding African identities, plural, in the past, uh, let's say, since you know, the independence period to the present. And in relation to quite a number of themes that we consider important in our program, um, themes that deal with issues of inequality, um, human migration and movement, and of course, mobility, far from Africa, and what happens as a result of various forms of migrations, both in the historical period, as in the last three to 400 years, and that's an incredibly important subject in and of itself, but actually more recently. And to understand those currents in relation to this extraordinary moment, which we called for the conference an Age of Obama, which we we're very lucky that our keynote speaker, Colin Palmer, um, immediately began to, I wouldn't say disassemble, but to interrogate that term and to begin to put forward a different set of ideas and maybe different parameters for us to understand what an age is historically and where Obama fits in that whole language of an age and what it is that he represents. Um, one of the things that I think we found very interesting about Mazrui's presentation is this um, duality that you mentioned, Peter Legge, about Mazrui's view of Africans of the soil and Africans of the blood. One of the most powerful conclusions that Mazrui reached in his um, talk last spring was that um, Obama may be America's gain and still may be America's great gain in the future. But he is almost certainly America, uh, Africa's loss for a variety of reasons, not least the brain drain and other factors. And um, that kind of uh, promoted or rather spurred us on to thinking critically about Obama and Africa and the United States.
1: And there were questions following Mazrui's presentation of Africans of the soil and Africans of the blood, whether or not that was a sufficient way of talking about African identities. Some certainly argued following his presentation that it's far too simplistic, that it's rooted in an old way of thinking about African identities and that we need to develop or push his um, thoughts further beyond um, a kind of genealogical um, way of conceptualizing or thinking about African
0: identities. Great. So how did the presenters and participants wrestle with the issues you raised and the conference's main themes?
3: Wonderful. Um, Excellent question. And I should say that we had... A wonderful turnout of attendees and presenters. We had nearly 200 attendees at our three day conference at George Mason. So, our program, African African American Studies, was simply delighted by the number of attendees, but also by the level of scholarship among the presenters. And they included um, Dr. Joseph Miller a well-known Africanist who really challenged us in the most fascinating ways to represent African identities from a um, long kind of analysis of African identities. And we also had young and up-and-coming scholars like Zane um, Abdullah to challenge us to consider the role of Islam and African identities in the United States. And we also had um, John Payton, one of George Mason University's uh, Robinson fellows. And we also had Dr. Um, Ibrahim Sundiata, who examined um, African identities in Brazil, and from a very diasporic perspective, and all of them really built nicely upon the foundation that Dr. Colin Palmer set on the opening evening of our three-day conference. And lucky
4: for us, they they really didn't just sort of pay lip service to the Obama factor or feature of the conference, that they understood Obama the way people sort of uh, invest in this figure a kind of Messianic quality, uh, uh, kind of quality too of of being from many different places, a person able to be fluid within his own identity, and also someone who um, took, you know, this uh, what Joe Miller would call the dichotomous world of being African seriously, and that is um, understanding oneself uh, as an individual but within a much more collective whole, and that collective whole also. Changing over time historically, and being subject to debate contestation as well as sort of movements of solidarity, so uh, our scholars who dealt with with Islam in Africa and Islam in America and African Muslims in America and being black and Muslim in America, we had quite a few presenters discussing those issues talked about the quote controversies surrounding um, barack obama 's identity from the birther movement. Um, to the fact that his father uh, had a deep Muslim East African um, lineage, but that lineage itself was perhaps much more formed and inflected by other important kinship dynamics. So a lot of what was discussed and debated um, crossed many different disciplinary boundaries.
3: And I'd also say there was quite a lot of dialogue about gender and african manhood black manhood mm-hmm. in terms of politics but particularly in terms of popular culture and how african and black manhood is represented and how we have to wrestle with those representations of african and black manhood
0: so give me an example of this connection between sort of black masculinity uh, and popular culture and how well
4: for example uh, a number of, of students, and we had um, so many students in each presentation um, coming from um, different uh, colleges and universities in our region, Coppin State, um, Howard University especially, Morgan State, um, and so forth. Uh, You know, they were outright uh, frank about why they voted for Barack Obama, because they felt that he was married to his sister, and that this is the language they used. Uh, that it was the Michelle factor for them, and this is largely women talking about this, but they they seem to think that um, it wasn't that there was something not quite right about Barack Obama as a man, but that he didn't come from a historical trajectory which was the most important to them, which is the historical trajectory of, frankly, slavery in America and post-slavery dynamics and the struggle for rights that uh, was based on people coming from that historical moment. And in some ways that was a very interesting perception of of gender, of Barack Obama's masculinity itself. Somehow it was sort of deracinated lifted up from its roots, and they needed to root him through his wife. Mm
3: -hmm. And she legitimizes him then, and his blackness, his black Mm -hmm. identity, which was very fascinating.
5: So you've raised some of the more complex or problematic aspects of the uh, Obama uh, paradigm, the Obama phenomenon. Earlier in the year, there was a conference at Syracuse University called by Horace Campbell, uh, and it was sort of squarely framed around the theme, Obama and Africa, which way? And what was I was a speaker at that conference, and one of the uh, uh, themes of the conference was, uh, squarely confronting the challenges that Obama faces with the limitations uh, from Congress and also the more uh, problematic aspects of militarization as it affects Africa. So a number of the speakers, Prexy Nesbitt, Terry Barnes, Mel Bowen, talked about these issues. And I wonder how these more problematic political and economic issues could be related to the issues that your conference uh, approach to do with gender and identities. What's the intersection here between the more cultural aspects and the more sociological or political aspects?
3: Well, one of our presenters, it occurs to me um, with your very poignant question, uh, a new uh, faculty member at George Mason University, Toby Jenkins, in her presentation she talked about not only hip-hop, but hip-hop within the context of the Um, prison complex, she talked about um, African black manhood, and how will the prison system, the criminalization of black um, male identity be transformed, if at all, as a result of Obama? What will change, if anything at all, because Obama is the president of the United States? And perhaps even pushing that further, she talked about whether or not Um, black men are necessarily viewed any differently just because Obama is the president of the United States and so in some ways there certainly was this linkage and discussion about um, politics within the context of of the United States and identity and blackness and what that means for us in the 21st century and whether Obama can do anything to change or transform the way black manhood, African manhood, and identity is understood and represented.
4: Yeah. And, and Peter, on the on the kind of offshore America point, you know, in, in relation to what kind of state Obama inherits and what kind of legislative process Obama inherits, um, there were a number of very interesting commentaries on that. Ibrahim Sundiata dealt with it a little bit. Zain of Gullah dealt with it a little bit uh, by talking about Senegalese Muslims in New York City and their perceptions of their Africanness and how they celebrated through the Tuba Mosque. Um, one of the most interesting uh, elements that came out, I think more by implication, was Obama inherits a gendered state in America. That's an overly kind of complex or academic Language to describe a state that is heavily masculinized and has been for a long time, at least the last eight years, invested in war and and its muscular sort of expression and aggression worldwide. And and there was some discussion of what, what Obama intends to do with this state. And obviously, there wasn't enough discussion, for example, on AFRICOM or the militarization of the Horn or of East Africa from where he's from or the Indian Ocean Basin and how the United States plans to deal with its national security threats, as it pronounces these threats. Um, so uh, that could have been a much more um, productive sort of uh, path to follow. Um, but what, what was the most compelling, I would say, is there was much more focus, too, on um, how this gendered state, if you want to call it that, is dealing with, quote, problematized or problem manhood. And, and again, going back to Wendy's comment. Uh, it wasn't just uh, Joe, Joe, uh, um, Toby Jenkins' Jenkins's presentation. Um, there was a lot more on discussion on Obama being a, a man of color, a man associated with African being African-American and presiding over this industrial prison complex. Um, right. there's, a lot of,
5: uh, there's a lot of big issues there, and they're all connected, obviously. And I'm just looking at Horace Campbell's concluding comments at the Syracuse conference when he said, We spoke about the inseparability of what happens in Louisiana and what is happening in the Niger Delta. Africa does not need aid or help. It needs solidarity. Um, And so obviously there's all these connections and there will undoubtedly be future conferences. But I want to come back to the interesting cultural aspects you raised. When I was in Malawi earlier this year, there was a lot of Abamiana in the marketplace uh, in, from Kenya to Malawi to Nigeria, there are obama T shirts and uh, bumper stickers, everything you can think of so i 'm wondering um, what does it mean in Africa today? What does Obama mean in Africa? Maybe you could we could uh, recenter this uh, temporarily back to Africa. What, what does it all mean, Do you think culturally or symbolically or politically to people in Africa to have, I mean, a, to have a president like a Barack Obama.
4: It's a very, I mean, as you know, it's a very wide one. And, and Peter, um, when, when we teach, you know, the, the history of, let's say, modern Africa, and we say, oh, Sub-Saharan Africa is 3.5 times the contiguous United States, you get this, you know, this extraordinary challenge. We had several students that had just returned from Ghana, and they had landed in Ghana the eve after um, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, and their two daughters had left. Right. And they talked about exactly what you talk about, this sense of, of uh, Obama belonging to Africans. And while it is represented in the way that you discuss, clearly in, in the kind of local marketplace through um, wraps and cloth and, and other memorabilia, there's a real sense, perhaps a sigh of relief, that there's an American who actually knows something about Africa, but also an American who I think Africans are somewhat patient of about, because, you know, it's, it is striking how Obama has not really gone to East Africa um, in any meaningful way, and that kind of came up a little bit as well.
3: It did, it did. It came up not only in terms of Africa, I should say, but one of the presenters even talked about Brazil and what um, Obama means to Afro-Brazilians and um, white Brazilians and how they have very kind of mixed understandings or ways of looking at Obama. And for Afro-Brazilians, they're very proud and they point to him and can hold Obama up as an example, a hopeful example of what may be possible in Brazil, right? And then at the same time, you have white Brazilians who could not, according to one of our presenters, imagine having a president that's dark and clearly of African descent. And so there's a very kind of complex way, I would say, globally, that people of African descent understand and view um, Obama.
4: Can can I also say that there was a really interesting comment coming out of that presentation as well. I'm I'm really happy that Wendy raised it. Uh, There's something like an Obama immunity factor, that in conversations with people overseas who have similar histories as we do i.e. histories of slavery and of mass migrations of Africans, most of it forced, um, there's a need to discuss race and race identity, both as a, as a kind of formation from the past and a way forward. And there's a sense of, of that with, with the discussion of Obama by an American in a society that had a similar history as the U.S., um, and this could very well be South Africa, too, that at least it's a touchstone. Um, That people can say, well look, both societies really are trying somehow to create a conversation. It's pretty loud and riotous and it has serious overtones of craziness and violence, but it's happening and it really hasn't happened in this way historically.
0: I think it's really interesting also how this this conference is really bridging the historically divided fields uh, of African studies and African-American studies and even uh, Caribbean studies. And you mentioned Brazil. We could introduce uh, Latin American studies maybe as well. Um, I just came back from a conference at Duke on uh, sport, race and power, which uh, was really quite fascinating. I participated in a panel on Africa in the global sports economy. And there are also very important figures from uh, African American sport history. Um probably most important was Harry Edwards, uh, who of course was the uh, leader of the Olympic Project for Human Rights that led to the famous protest at Mexico City 68, and it was really interesting to see uh, how little uh, dialogue there had been until that point between specialists who work on African sport and those who uh, work on African American sport. So uh, it also made me think of uh, uh, comments made at the recent Africanist graduate research conference at MSU by uh, the director of our Title VI Center, James Pritchett, who talked about uh, the, the so-called crisis in African studies being largely a bogus idea, and that we don't need to save the discipline, but rather we need to build it, create it, innovate it. And this seems like what your conference was really trying to tut- do, to bridge different streams of African knowledge uh, and create uh, a, really a path to the future. Uh, do you think that's what was going on, or do you think uh, it was successful? Did it achieve what it intended to do, or? what did you take away from it?
3: I think you're you're spot on, Peter. That is exactly what my intention was. Again, you know, I am um, a trained African diaspora scholar uh, from Howard University, right? Um, Not too far from George Mason University. And I certainly see this program, African African American Studies, and the conference um, as a way to... Um, not only have an interdisciplinary examination of black identity, black experience, the, um, the, um, um, the inequalities and resistance of people of African descent, but I, I really saw the conference as an opportunity to bring scholars from multiple fields together to have a powerful dialogue um, about African identities. And and we continue to emphasize identities because historians have one way of grappling with African identities, and those from cultural studies or those from political science bring something else. And I think when all of us can have a um, dialogue, it's a very useful one that allows us to grapple with some very difficult and complex um, problems.
4: Yeah, and, and Wendy raises an incredibly important point, and I think we, we both remember, Wendy and I, um, one particular session when we had students um, from the continent of Africa and, and self-identified African-Americans in the room, and there was a debate over the word black, and the word African-American hyphenated, and the word African, and actually a discussion, un, you know, aside from what was presented at the panel about Why is it, and and students were talking? um, Why is it that you think of Africa in this way? And and African American students may be replying, Why is it that you think of African Americans this way? And and it was more than poignant. I would say it was in a healthy way painful. It was as if historically we had both Booker T. Washington and W. E. B. Du Bois in the room.
3: Especially Garvey. Yeah,
4: (laughs) Garvey, especially Garvey, and Ida Wells. Yeah, yeah, Ida B. Wells, and. And, and here, here you have people, historically, who were comfortable on some level but also uncomfortable with what it meant to be Pan-African.
3: Yes, yes. And I should say, one of the concluding events of the conference was a viewing of a new, relatively new documentary, Neo-African-Americans. And it was very eye-opening for not only um, the scholars in attendance but the students as well who sat there and said, oh, well, I thought about this one way of examining African identities, but to see in the film, um, it displayed so beautifully um, the beautiful kind of complexity of identities, people from um, North Africa with one phenotype and people from South Africa, from West Africa with another, and it looked at immigrants, both those that may be Christian in the United States and those that were Muslim and Caribbean immigrants And so it really, the the documentary Neo-African Americans really opened up um, another opportunity to really interrogate um, how difficult it can be to understand and wrestle with um, historical realities and the 21st century and what that means for people of African descent.
0: Well, we've been speaking to Wendy Manuel Scott and Ben Carton at George Mason University in Virginia about their wonderful conference, African Identities in the Age of Obama. I'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us.
3: Thank you. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Thank you, Peter Allegi, and thank you, Peter Lim.
5: Thank you.
0: Africa Past and Present is produced by Matrix the Center for Humane Arts, Letters, and Social Sciences online at Michigan State University. Our producer is Scott Pennington. Technical assistance is provided by Alicia Scheel and the Matrix staff. For more information about this and other episodes, and to subscribe to the podcast, you can visit our website at afripod, That's o r g. Africa Past and Present is also available on iTunes and other podcatcher sites. To get in touch with us, send us email at africa.podcast at matrix.msu.edu Thanks for listening.